Well, it's noon here in Ventnor City, New Jersey and Washington, D.C. For the last day of November, Thursday, November 30th, this is news that you can use from Courage with your host, Ray, I'll pretend I'm Paul Bunyan, and Zach. How are you today, handsome? I'm doing great, Dad. Happy Thursday. Excited to be here with you. You look freaking great, man. You look you know, I'm I'm going out to uh, to just chop down a tree somewhere. You know, first I got to find one in Ventnor, but once I do, look out. <laughs> Today is the last day for our end of month promotion back at CarEdge.com. Go save some money, get some help buying a car, protecting your vehicle, all that fun stuff. CarEdge.com. Dad, where to begin today? The collapse of the domestic <laughs> auto. No, no uh, the tragic, the, the tragic collapse. You know. Um, William Shakespeare would have had a hard time keeping up with you, buddy. <laughs> We're going to start here, Dad. We're going to start here. Big changes over at Jeep. Yes. The chief executive here in North America yes. has been replaced. Maserati <laughs> North America CEO William Peffer will replace Jim Morrison, who will lead the newly formed Jeep Performance Parts business. Yeah. Dad, we've got shakeups at the corporate level. Oh happening my. over at Jeep. You think this has something to do with the fact that they can't sell their vehicles? Well, you know, it probably has something to do with the fact that their vehicle sales at Jeep have been uh, declining for the last five years. And so on a corporate level, you know, as the CEO or whatever, you have to say, hey, who who could turn this around better than, I don't know, somebody that oversees a brand that nobody buys? Um, you know, Maserati is the... Uh, is is like the stepsister to the Ferrari brand that nobody wants to date. Uh, so it's it's like, yeah, yeah. Take the person running Ferrari, uh, Maserati, and let's see what they can do with Jeep. Um, well, you know, I, I have a feeling we'll be revisiting this in in a couple of years, and they're going to go, oh my, we, we we never thought sales could slow down that much. So we've got executive leadership changes happening, whether they're the right or the wrong decisions, we will know in a few years, like you've said. The other big storyline, Dad, is we've got Ford and we'll be touching on General Motors here in a second, talking about exactly how much the UAW strike impacted profitability. Ford says UAW strike cut profits by $1.7 billion, new contract to cost nearly $9 billion. Ford said the UAW's new contract would increase labor costs by $8.8 billion or on average $900 per vehicle in 2028. Something tells me, Deb, that $900 yeah. per vehicle in additional costs does not translate to $900 in MSRP increases. Probably translates closer to like $2,700 in MSRP increases at the same time when these vehicles are not selling. You know what's fascinating? That, that the UAW contract with Ford is going to cost them about $900 more per vehicle to build a car. But at General Motors, it's only about $500. Now, the contracts are similar. <laughs> so I, 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 Ray Shevska, I don't get it. Um, why is there a $400 difference between those two major manufacturers? And you know, will that will that extra cost eventually get passed on to the consumers? Uh, you know, I would think it would. But however, you you look at at both what both Ford and GM are doing. I mean, both are going to be extremely profitable this year. 
uh, one around 10 to 10 and a half billion, the other uh, around 11 billion. Um, you know, even with the, that $1.7 billion loss, they're still making a lot of damn money. Um, so I, I, I question how and why, considering that their products aren't selling like they used to, but what do I know? No, but that's the thing, right? It's like the tragic collapse because, well, they have all this huge cost infrastructure. They also have vehicles that aren't selling. All the data points to they're not selling at the at the rate that they need them to. And yet they still come out. And you mentioned in GM, Dad, I'll, I'll pull that up on the screen. GM trying to woo investors. You know, they're buying back over a billion dollars worth of stock. You no, know, similar was, number in terms of they say the, the strikes can cost them one point one billion for it. I thought they were buying back ten billion dollars worth of stock. Is it only a billion? Oh yeah, excuse me. Yeah, yeah. Ten excuse me, ten billion. Yeah. The uh the strike cost them one billion and they're gonna buy yeah. back ten billion. So it's like they're doing all these things to try and win over investors and still show like, hey, everything's good, hunky dory. But you don't even have to look that far, Dad. I was playing around earlier. I was helping Brandon over at Car Questions Answered. He's he's doing a video about lot rot. And I yeah. went to the car search and I'm in Miami, Florida, and I did days on market over 120 days. There's 68,000 Ford, new Fords out there right now for sale that have been on dealer lots for over four months. Wow. That's not good. I did the same thing for Jeep, Dad. There's 40,000, nearly 41,000 <laughs> Jeeps out there for over 120 days. Like, this is not a, uh, a long-term sustainable business plan. However, they keep making tens of billions of dollars. So it's like, on one hand, it kind of seems like they're, you know, the domestic dominance is, is collapsing. And then on the other hand, they report these insane profits. It's like, it's like they talk out of both sides of their mouth. You know, you're you're kidding. They do out of both at the same time. Um, yeah, that's that's called corporate speak. Um, and uh, you you need to you need to go to a special school to learn that. And then once you've mastered that, then you get the move from Maserati to Jeep, and then, <laughs> and then who knows what the next stepping stone will be. Um, yeah, it's. Listen, to say that that uh, I don't understand uh, the accounting practices and how how they actually make all the money they allegedly make, I don't know. I really, I don't know. I, you know, I, I just remember when I when I was with the Penske organization, huh? And I, I kept thinking to myself, you know, every month I have to go up to the accounting office and I have to find the money where they put it that came in that the factory said they gave us, but th they never credited to the right account. And I, and I just kept thinking to myself, my God, all these corporations are just built on a house of cards, um, hoping that nobody exposes that there's no real foundation here and nobody really knows what the hell is going on. Um, and so if, if, if I felt that was the case at the Penske organization, which is last time I checked a little smaller than either GM or Ford. Um, you know, why wouldn't the same accounting type of practices be going on elsewhere in the industry? In hell in all businesses. Um, I think you hit the nail on the head there, dad. It's like in all businesses, the house of cards is partly intentional. You know, some of the gamesmanship is partly intentional. You can just move the money around. It's, yeah. it's like, for example, for those of you that don't know, we've talked about it on the show. My dad can speak more to this in a second. You can RDR, retail delivery report a vehicle, by putting it into your service loaner fleet. So Ford, the factory, the manufacturer can come to you and say, hey, dealer, 
pretty please go rdr this vehicle put it in your service loaner fleet we'll pay you we will literally pay you to put this car into your service loaner fleet and just to make sure everyone understands service loaner fleet is exactly what it sounds like when mm-hmm. people come to get service at the dealership and you want to give them a car to drive around while their vehicle is being serviced that's from your service loaner fleet what was question for you dad what was the most number of vehicles you ever had in your service loaner fleet and at which dealership and at what time um well you know at, at, at our bmw store we had well over a hundred new bmws in the service loaner fleet at mini we we uh, used to have i don't know 30 or so um wait a second wait a second wait a second yeah, yeah. how many bmw dealerships are there in the united states i, I don't know quite a few probably, probably like 300 400 500 oh, yeah i mean there's there's like 120 mini dealerships so you know there's so there's probably, gotta be like let's say there's 500 bmw dealerships in the entire united states and let's say they all have and this isn't you know who knows who knows if this is accurate but let's say they all have 100 cars yeah new cars in service loader fleet yeah what are you trying to your favorite line not my favorite <laughs> line i'm not that good at math yeah but, but last time i checked that's gonna be five no that's fifty thousand vehicles Okay, fifty thousand vehicles that you sold. get to report is sold. Well, the the best part, the best part was when Mini would come to us and they'd say, "We don't even want you to 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 say you're putting them in service loaner fleet. Just mark them as demos. Excuse me, just mark them as a demo. That will take it out of the retail inventory, so we can we can report it as a sold unit." Um, even though it hasn't gone to its final customer yet. And, uh, well, you know, we'll pay you $500 a car for, we need you to do 10. So there's $5,000 we'll pay you to find 10 cars to just now say are in demo service. Now, originally when they used to do that, when we would put them in the demo service, well, that triggered the warranty clock. Okay, so you could have a car that was a year old that was in demo service that suddenly only had two years and, and 36,000 miles remaining on its warranty. <clears throat> and so <clears throat> it became a little more difficult for us as dealers to sell them because we had to explain to the customer, well, it's a demo. Yeah, I know it only has three miles on it, um, but the warranty clock. So eventually, many got to the point where they just said, put it in demo service. We won't start the warranty clock until you sell it to the ultimate end user. And and literally, you could sell demos with five miles on them. And you had picked up a few extra dollars for many for, because they needed to show those extra sales that month. So, so let's, do, let's do, you know me, man. You absolutely yeah. know me. I love doing these live experiments. Yes. So we're on Jeep. There are 40,690 new Jeeps for sale in the United States that have been on dealer lots for over 120 days. I do not have a a filter. We do not have a filter on CarEdge.com that will tell us if a vehicle was in service loaner or demo. However, what we can do is we can go down here. Where is it? Mileage. And let's say the vehicle has over 250 miles. That's not you're not test driving a vehicle over 250 miles. That's a vehicle that you keep me honest here, Dad. Is that a vehicle that's in service loaner fleet? Well, it depends. <clears throat> and the reason I say it depends is at some dealerships where I worked, we we literally designated certain cars as test drive vehicles. And, you know, they might end up with four or 500 miles on them because if somebody, somebody wanted to drive a specific model, 
they drove the test drive vehicle because we didn't want to be putting miles on every car. So, so let's do this. <clears throat> let's do over 500 miles. How about that? Okay. So we've got over 500 miles, new Jeeps that have been on dealer lots for over 120 days. There's 1,088. This yeah. grand, this Wagoneer, a 2022 Wagoneer, 2,000 miles on it. This Wagoneer, 4.1 thousand. This Renegade, Dad, these are service vehicles, right? Uh, more than likely, they're either service loaners or they're or they're um, true dealer demos in the sense that the dealer principal drove it, or the GM drove it, or the dealer principal's wife drove it. Um, Dad, look at it for Ford. This is for Ford. Same exact criteria. There are six thousand eight hundred and sixty-nine. Yeah, matches, Dad. Yeah, we just we. This is inexact science, folks. But we just demonstrated that there are over. Let's call it seven thousand. There are seven thousand new Fords that have been sold. Ford, in their quarterly numbers, reported these vehicles have sold. They have not sold. Well, you're assuming that Ford reported them as sold. Uh, the dealers are certainly, obviously, listing them as used cars. Um, I mean, as these new, are cars. new cars, Dad. They're, they're listing, listing them as new cars, and and typically, retired service loaners get listed as used cars. So, yeah, the, the, those are a lot of those are a lot of miles on brand new cars. I, I will say, <laughs> just saying, folks. I'm just yeah, saying. You, you know, you, we need to find a trusted dealer here in the Atlantic City area that needs uh needs somebody to drive cars for quality assurance purposes and i can get rid of my damn mini and <clears throat> just just be doing these dealers a favor uh, driving their cars for quality assurance purposes um you know and it could save me a few dollars save them a few dollars they can they could even say huh. uh, here's a story for you because you know me i love stories so and then we um, got to give James a shout out in the chat pops. Okay. Okay. Well, a quick story. So there, there was a pretty good basketball player. Maybe you're familiar with him. His name was Michael Jordan. Okay. And he re and he retired from basketball because well he, he wanted to play baseball. Okay. And um, and so he he was playing minor league baseball at one point in time for the Chicago White Sox and in. It was either the fall league or spring training when they were out in Arizona. Um, our Lexus store gave him a Lexus to, to drive, thinking that at the very least they could get more for it because they could say, well, well, Michael Jordan's the one that put the 1,500 miles on the car. You could have the same car that Michael Jordan drove. So. You know, there there could be some value in that. Um, you know, if they said, "Hey, this was a quality assurance car that Ray Shevska drove." <laughs> I appreciate where you're going, Bob. So, hey, it's, it could be a win-win. Could be yeah, a win-win. I, I doubt let's come it. here, Dad, and thank James for his thank thoughtful you, contribution. James. James, thank you for that. James says. Yes. Jeep sales have been declining from going up market and increasing prices on an iconic middle of America brand. So bringing in the head of a luxury brand makes perfect business sense. We didn't even hit on that point. James is yeah. spot on. Yes. You've got the head of Maserati coming to run Jeep, a brand that's now trying to sell $110,000 Grand Wagoneers to customers. Yeah. Wow. What a good uh, pickup from James there. Yeah. No. And, and it makes perfect sense because, you know, if your sales have been sliding, you know, why not bring in somebody from the luxury division that that can 
once again try and and market Jeep as something it's not. Uh, you know, people look at, at at a Denali or a Suburban or a Yukon, you know, those big ass vehicles, and that that they know have have been priced really high, but they've been around forever, and for. For Jeep to suddenly try and jump into that swimming pool two years ago with the Grand Wagoneer and pricing it in the same uh, price range as as those iconic brands, it, it just it's like why why don't why don't you just perfect what you do really well, okay? Instead of trying to figure out how you can grow the business by going into the areas of the market that. Well, you aren't good at, um, you know, and and literally somebody had to sign off on all of that. Don't know what they were thinking when they said, oh, yeah, this is a good idea. It is almost it is almost as if hmm. um, when a dealer buys out another dealer's store and, mm -hmm. and they go in and they go, well, we know the store has been underperforming. But we're going to show them how they can really underperform, and, <laughs> and, and and that's basically what Jeep is doing. Okay, you know we know we've been underperforming, but we're not underperforming at the levels we think we can attain, and and so they're going to bring in the head of their their stepsister luxury uh, brand, um, and, and and to try and turn it into something it's not. Yeah, you it's know, like they keep digging. They're digging like a bigger and bigger hole. That's what we see, obviously, with the sales yes. numbers as well. I want to jump to the chat again, Dad, and then we're going to have a long and really enjoyable, really, you've got to be kidding me, but coming up in just a moment, yes. Mark says here, my nephew works for a company that sells pies, and there were multiple different apple pies they sold. I asked him what the difference was between these apple pies. He said, marketing. Dad, that, that is spot <laughs> on, Mark. That is, that is spot on. Yes, yes, yes. Uh, and and apparently, Derek Jeter is not the marketing tool you need to market a Jeep Grand Wagoneer. Just say it. <sighs> yeah, we've got from Igor a couple comments. He said, "I used to RDR hundreds of cars in December, and even and never even had a customer on them." Yeah, again, folks, yeah. this is common practice. We're not making it up. You can go read like SEC, you know, investigations into this as well. It's very very well understood within the industry. And also on the Jeep front, Dad, Igor letting us know that his neighbor, who had purchased a 2023 Jeep Wagoneer and paid over $116,000 for it, well, unfortunately, it got totaled, and they got $68,000 from the insurance company. Um, apparently, uh, apparently, your neighbor doesn't uh, doesn't like you enough to chat with you before he he buys an albatross like that, Igor. Um, <laughs> Uh, man, that is rough. Yeah, that, yeah, that is that that is, that is rough. Um, you know, and and not not to pick on Jeep. I mean, that happens to a lot of vehicles. And you know, the same thing could happen if you bought a a seven series BMW or or an S class Mercedes. You know, there's certain things that that depreciate like rocks. Um, you know, I think we just named three rather quickly. 
if if you haven't watched today's video over on the cards channel go watch it we did the top 10 vehicles that depreciate the fastest and those that hold their value the best please go check out that video it's super educational avoid the vehicles that depreciate the fastest and yes they are primarily german you know uh, luxury vehicles yes. not jeeps you know so it's like we do pick on jeep frequently and with good reason but there are also plenty of vehicles out there that have their challenges when it comes to maintaining maintaining any type of value dad hit them with an ad lib and and we've got really you've got to be kidding me all right so i posted this over on the exosphere yesterday dad this is the worst car deal i've seen in a while and honestly i just want to preface this this is why dealers have a bad rap doesn't mean all dealers are bad people uh this is the type of crap that really just yeah so this was sent to me from a user over on tiktok they said um look at what happened zach we've got a used car for sale yes $14,725 $14,725 selling price, Dad. Yes. There's then the all caps, so I'm going to yell it, Brandon Advantage Yes. for $2,788. Then we've yeah. got the all caps, Prep Recon for yes. $3,495. Then we have the Dest. Destination. The one, I don't know, man. Dest- oh, I'm telling different. you, that's what it is. It's Destination. Your classic, let's just do the math really quickly. That is a 13% of uh, vehicle price destination charge at $1,995. On a used car, yeah. On a used car. <laughs> then you have taxable fees, which yeah. are $350. If it's taxable, it's negotiable. Remember that, shop.caredge.com for the, the taxable, it's negotiable merch. And then a $1,000 dock fee. Dad, you have a $14,725 advertised price and an OTD of $26,419 when it's all said and done yeah. with taxes and fees. Yeah, no, it seems, seems certainly seems legitimate. I mean, you know, because they had every intention of, well, selling the car for $23,003 and not $14,700. But, but they knew, they knew, Zach, if they advertised it for $23,003, ain't nobody coming in to look at it or buy it. But if they put a below market price of $14,725 and then try to line item you up with the branded advantage, whatever that is, uh, apparently Brandon, okay, Mr. Brandon or Mrs. Brandon, they have either a really lovely house or a really lovely boat, or maybe they have a really lovely private jet. I don't know. Um, and then, you know, your prep recon, $3,500. Average reconditioning costs on used cars today typically fall between $1,500 and $2,000. Oh, and those are already figured into the asking price of the vehicle. It is not a separate line item, okay? And then, and then to charge two thousand dollars in destination charges. Oh, oh, it's not a Ford pickup truck where Ford is charging that on a brand new one. These are, this is a used car, and what we don't know is. What if that used car was actually traded into the dealership and there there was no cost to get it there? Oh, my. This is. And I wish we had the name of the dealership because then we could we we name them and shame them. But this is uh, the epitome of dishonesty and why 
consumers hate, and I mean hate with a capital H and a capital A and a capital T and a capital E, why consumers hate automobile dealers. Because dealers like this are so disingenuous that they really shouldn't be in business. They, 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 they should not qualify for a business license if this is how they're going to operate their business. You couldn't operate it more dishonestly. The whole, you know, you've heard me talk about it before. If, if the basis of your business is built on deception, then you are doing something wrong. And the whole basis of this sale was deception to try and get a customer in at 14725 when in fact they were asking $23,003 for the vehicle. They should be ashamed of themselves. Now, Dad, it seems like this is unfortunately a pattern of behavior. I don't know what the dealership is. Um, I haven't done that level of research, and we're going to talk about that in just a second. But this yes. was also shared with me recently. You know, same. It must be the same dealership. Twelve thousand eight hundred and fifty dollar market value selling price. Yes. Um, you know, you end up with a, an out the door after taxes and fees at twenty three thousand one hundred and fifty two dollars. Lower destination charge on this one. Yes, so yes, yes. Really and the recon was less. Um, you know, the recon on the other one was $34.95. This recon was only $21.95. Um, I want to bring up one thing though, that's really important in all this dad, which is yeah. we have uh community dealer reviews, caredge.com slash dealer reviews or just yes. caredge.com. And then under resources, you'll find dealer reviews. Please, please, please folks leave dealer reviews. That's all we can ask for. We have some built-in mechanisms to make sure that dealers aren't coming on here and spamming positive reviews. So please Go to Car Edge. Here, I'll show everyone. You're at CarEdge.com. You're on the homepage. Here it is. Under resources, click on dealer reviews, folks, and come to the dealer reviews and leave and participate and, 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 and share those there so that others don't end up going to, to dealerships like these. And I will comment, Lauren says, how come you don't show the dealer's name and city? This was sent in to me uh, via email. The photo is all I got. The customer didn't tell me which dealership it was. I did not. I'm going to be very clear. I did not. Google search and sleuth online to figure out who it is or where where it is. We have had some experiences, and and I'll couch everything in. Everything my dad said was his opinion. You know, we've been threatened multiple times with legal action from dealer groups, folks. Like multiple times, and um, so we get coaching from our lawyers to always couch things. And in, in my opinion, yeah, in my opinion, in my opinion. So when I don't name a dealership or something like that, or if I don't go above and beyond to figure out who it is or why, you know, or what dealership did it. It's because I just don't want to have to deal with them then calling me the next day saying, you know, take it down. We're going to sue you. So do your own research, folks. Please do not um, harass. Please do not attack. Just take your business elsewhere. All the energy you want to put towards being mean to these people, have that, have that in your body for a moment and then channel it towards a good dealer near you and just mm -hmm. do business with them. Let's bring positive energy into the world, not negative energy. And please know in my heart of hearts, I'd love to share more about who the dealer is, all that fun stuff. I don't feel like dealing with that phone call tomorrow. And, they, and honestly, they shouldn't have to deal with it either. Just don't give them your business, in my opinion, and go somewhere else. <laughs> yes, in, in, in my opinion, you want to try and reward the better dealers that are out there. And there are, there are some. And, you know, I, I catch a lot of heat because 
a lot of commenters say, well, you all you do is you spend time bashing dealers. You don't want dealers to make a profit. You don't want the salespeople to be able to make a living. And nothing could be further from the truth. I believe dealerships who make a big investment to be uh, corporate citizens within their communities are uh, not only entitled to make a profit, the, the, we, we should graciously allow them to make a profit. But that's for the dealers that do it straight up, upfront, honest, transparent, not the ones that want to use a deceptive ad to get you into the dealership. So it always boils down to vote with your wallet. If you if you find yourself in a dealership that is using deceptive practices to try and sell you the car, the most important two-letter word, the most powerful two-letter word you can utter is no, I think not, get the hell up and get out. They can't stop you from getting out. Oh, they'll try. Oh, well, well, let me let you talk to this manager. No, I don't need to talk to any manager. You've already shown me your true colors, I, you know, and 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 those colors um, don't fit uh, the type of uh, business that I would want to spend my money at. So I'm leaving. And you get up and you leave. And you go find a dealership that plays fair and and operates in, in a more transparent manner. Um, unfortunately, there's like 18,000 new car franchise dealerships, you know, probably 15,000 operate in a manner that we find uh, um, disingenuous. Um, so we've got to help you find the 3,000 that operate in a, in, a, in a fairer manner. And we're trying to do that through dealer reviews. Yeah, deal reviews is one piece of the puzzle. The other thing I'll mention, folks, if you use our car search, we now have the trusted dealer filter over here on the left. These are dealerships that have come to us and they've said, hey, we're happy to work with Car Edge. We want you guys to carry as much of the load as possible selling cars. If you don't want customers to talk to a salesperson, they don't have to. You know, they, Car Edge can, can do it all for, for us. So we have some dealers that we're starting to work with that we're proud to align with, where if you go through Car Edge, you never even have to talk to the dealership up until the very end when you sign the paperwork. So they're giving us an opportunity here to show not only do they operate with the utmost right approach, like upfront with their fees, upfront if they've accessorized a vehicle, all of that type of stuff, they're then giving us the opportunity to manage the entire customer relationship for the car deal. I love mm -hmm. it. I'm super excited about it. So we are taking steps, and this is why dealer reviews are so important. We need reviews left on dealerships so that we can have some extra criteria when we think about adding a dealer to our network. Absolutely. So it kind of makes sense. It's going to take years. Today's example from whatever dealership it was with the nearly 100% increase in vehicle price with fees and add-ons and everything is a perfect reminder of, you know, what we should try and avoid. Don't waste your time. Don't waste your energy there. And it, and it pains me to say it, but for those of you that are in Florida, look to Georgia, look to Alabama, mm -hmm. look to Louisiana. You deal with a lot of dealers down there that do these practices, which I want to talk about pointing a finger, Dad. Point your finger at cars.com, Auto Trader, Car Gurus, all of those websites. Uh, uh, what do they do? They, they incentivize, they reward the dealers for doing fake advertised prices. Yes. And I've talked to so many dealers who wish they would enforce some sort of rule, but they don't. And so that's what we're trying to do with the trusted dealer program or the car edge dealers is like, just the prices are actually the price. You don't have to negotiate with a salesperson. You can just freaking buy a car. So we're working kind on it, gang. I think we're making good progress. Kind of like the way it should be.
Kind of like the way it should be. All right, there's more news you can use, but you'll have to tune in tomorrow at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific. I will not be here tomorrow. I am taking a trip up to New York City, the big city, having some important meetings, folks. All right, so stand I by. Have no have idea. You, why don't you ever share with me? It's going to be you and Justice tomorrow, unless you want to go solo for 30 minutes. People love love it, Pops. When you just no, I'm not go. doing solo for 30 no. minutes. No. No. Just, just no. not, no. What no, do you because- do? You want to do a show on Saturday during the day because I feel like now that we're in December, like we just need to be online and helping people with car deals. And the reason I say that is I also have a party Saturday night, so I'm just conflicted. So it's like you know a little bit altruistic and a little bit selfish. So uh, I'm honest. Yeah. Well, we can talk about it. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Sure. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I'd love to. Yeah. All right. Well, folks, maybe I'll see you on Saturday. If not, tune back in tomorrow. My dad and Justice will be here at 9 a.m. East. No, 9 a.m. Pacific, 12 p.m. Eastern. Dad, you look great. Thanks for the fun show. And I love you. I love you too. I'll talk to you later, handsome.